Welcome to Chandler United Methodist Church as we come together online for worship. The message of our culture is consistently telling us that you get what you deserve and the message of the gospel stands counter to that, tells us you do not get what you deserve. That is the message of ministry. It's the basis of the church. Our church exists to intercede in the lives of suffering people. We offer ministries of compassion and we seek out to advocate for justice. And that is the connection between faithful discipleship and intentional giving. We are intentional in giving resources for the functioning and life of the church. When the Iowa State Roadmap was published in 1978, the town of Carl, Iowa was not on it. Nobody from the State Highway Department called to tell the dozen or so people who thought they lived in Carl that there was, officially speaking, no longer going to be such a place. Carl had been withering away year by year as are many of the little towns in the Midwest. Carl, Iowa had one oiled road running down the middle of town. There were six or eight remaining houses along that quarter mile. And right in the middle of town is the United Methodist Church, Carl United Methodist Church. There's no longer a post office or a gas station. There used to be. There hadn't been a grocery store in town for 40 years. The last full-time minister left Carl United Methodist Church in 1936. There is a rather large cemetery behind the church, and perhaps that is part of the reason that the church has survived. There are many generations of many families who live in the area that are buried there. In fact, that cemetery is what brought me back to town in the summer of 2007. Frances Allen had died. That dear, dear woman whose husband Howard had died of a heart attack when he was out feeding the pigs on Christmas morning, 1990, when I was serving there as a student pastor. Well, it was 17 years later, 86-year-old Francis had made a left turn in front of an oncoming car on the highway as she drove home from the grocery store. I received a call from her daughter. She said, Mom had always liked you. Could you come back for her funeral? I told Francis's daughter that I liked her mom too, but that we United Methodist clergy have a rule that we do not go back and do funerals. I tried to gently let her down, and she seemed to take my refusal. It is a stubborn few who keep the United Methodist Church of Carl from going the way of Mount Etna United Methodist Church, which still is just down the road. 
Mount Etna United Methodist Church had closed for good in 1983. The church building was sold and had since become an antique shop full of rusty saws and wooden planes and hammers and horse gear. There was even an old plow out there. There was a whole pile of Admiral and Sentinel and Philco radios that didn't work. There were stacks of National Geographic magazines, LP records of all kinds, mostly country music, Conway Twitty and Skeeter Davis and Dottie West and Carl Smith, and there was a whole lot of Furlin Husky. Sad of all, saddest of all, is the collection of old family photos and Bibles kept in boxes laid out on long tables, often in German or Swedish, recording the births and deaths in long flowing handwriting in the front pages. These were left behind when the farm was sold and the last grandkid who had lived their whole life in Des Moines or Omaha or Kansas City decided, I don't want to take this home and stick this in a box in the basement or the attic. And so it got brought here to the antique shop where it gathered dust and year after year these relics are offered in what used to be the sanctuary, venerated, they're touched, they're examined, and sometimes purchased by people who pass through driving Volvos with children who impatiently climb up and down what used to be the chancel steps. The father will pick up an old glossy black and white photo of some big-eyed baby in a sunbonnet staring directly out of 1911 touches his wife's arm to show her the photo of the baby, they smile. She says, oh, that's cute. He puts the photo back in the box. They gather their kids and away they go. The United Methodist Church of Carl has not gone that way. It is still a church with pews where people worship each Sunday. The crowd when I was there in 2007 was about the same as it was when I was there as a student. For this ragtag group of hardy souls, a student pastor who is attending seminary lives in an old parsonage in the large county seat town of Corning and drives out each week to preach a sermon at 8 o'clock the first on a charge of three small churches. I thought that I had been pretty clear with Francis's daughter in gently saying no. So I was a bit surprised when a few days later the student pastor called me amid his own packing to check in and make arrangements for me to officiate the service. He had understood that I had said yes. And in welcoming to my return, in welcoming my return, he assured me, and Irene still plays the piano. Irene Abbey had been the pianist at Carl since 1983 when the church of her childhood, Mount Etna, 
had closed. She'd been the pianist there since she was 11 years old. When that church closed, she and her husband Leland began driving the eight miles over to Carl. A few years later, they bought the old Hardesty house in Carl and they moved over. I need to tell you about Leland so that you can understand Irene. Leland and Irene had married right out of high school in 1941, right before he shipped off as an enlistee in the Second World War. He was trained as a Marine and he was shipped to war in the Pacific where he was captured and he spent three years as a prisoner of war. He had survived, but barely. All anyone ever said was Leland came back different. Bob DeVore owned the property next to the church and ran a farm implement repair and welding service he also married right out of high school to marry. He had also enlisted and found himself in the 1st Infantry Division, meaning he earned his chops facing Rommel in Algeria and Tunisia. Bob was also part of the invasion of Sicily. He was injured in the Battle of Troina and he fought his way up Omaha Beach and through the hedgerows of Normandy. Bob said that since they were both veterans of the war, Leland would come and simply be present around the shop. Bob warned me, he said, if I should ever see Leland become a bit agitated and begin breathing heavy, like he was in distress, that, that I shouldn't do anything. That, that was okay. Leland was just managing. I actually have no memory of ever hearing Leland speak. After the war, Leland had turned inward. He came to church every week. He came to every potluck dinner. He came to the meetings he needed to be at, but I never heard him speak. And while Leland turned inward, Irene had turned outward. She was music. She had piano students. She tutored kids after school. Over the years, arthritis had gnarled her fingers, but it never stopped her gentle and warm smile that welcomed anyone Back in the early 90s, when I was there, Irene would prepare and sing a special music song each week. Irene had a wonderful voice, yes, and she hit most of the notes. But more than that, what made her beautiful was that she loved everyone. What made Irene so beautiful was that we all loved her. Well, in this phone call <clears throat> with the student pastor, he told me that Irene had suffered a stroke about almost a year ago prior to this. 
2006, and that stroke had slowed her down a bit. So in the summer of 2007, I flew into Omaha. I spent the night with my parents in Council Bluffs, and the next morning, very early, I borrowed my mom's car and drove 90 miles east into small-town Iowa. They had decided, since so many people had known Frances, they had decided, she had been a beloved school teacher, they had decided that the funeral would be at the largest place of gathering in the county, the First United Methodist Church there in Corning. And it was a full house. It was packed. And it was a nice service. And all of the people from Carl were there, Milry and Hubert and Jack and Ruby and Athalda and Merton Vern and Bob and Mary. They, they were all there, including Irene and Leland. And sitting between them was a young man I, I had never seen before. I wondered if this man had been one of Francis's students and maybe one of Irene's piano students or, or tutorees. We followed the hearse out to the cemetery behind Carl for the burial and said a few words graveside and then everyone went into the little church basement for the reception. You need to know that Carl United Methodist does its receptions for funerals in their own way. After everyone has had cake and refreshments, they invite the pastor to say a few words and then they sing the first verse of a hymn that everyone knows by heart. And then they eat. So I was invited to say a few words and I thought about Frances taking her place among that host of people from the around there who have passed. I thought about how much all of our lives had changed in 17 years and how we all hold some very powerful things in common. I told them truthfully that they were my ground of being. And I mentioned John's text that we read today. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, counselor of our souls. I will not leave you desolate Jesus promised them. And then Jesus offers instruction. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The power of the Spirit abides among those who love one another. Irene was then at the piano and we sang, Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. They sang very well. Some even sang harmony. We ate pie and cake and brownies. We drank coffee and lemonade. We told stories. I laughed so hard that my face hurt. And there, among us, 
one of us laughing included was this young man who had been seated between Leland and Irene at the funeral service. We were introduced. His name is Neil. He is Irene and Leland's grandson. He offered an intentionally strong grip. He said, I've been living with my grandparents for the last few months, moved up here from Texas. And then he said, you know, my grandmother loves playing the piano here at church. She lost both of her sisters last year and playing helps her. When she had her stroke, they asked me to play. Of course they did, but grandpa knew that I would say no, because it's good for grandma to play. I said, you're a pianist? He said, Eastman, class of 98 classical organist. I've had some big church jobs he volunteered and the last one he said was down in Texas, a big Baptist church in the Houston suburbs. Four services on a Sunday morning. He was looking down now at the ground. He was drawing shapes with his foot in the dust on the floor. He continued, he said, then I got sick. I've been HIV positive for six years, but it wasn't till last fall that I really got sick. The personnel committee figured it out, the weight loss, all the sick days, not married. They told me it would be best if I were to move on, but not until after Christmas, of course. My parents live in St. Louis, but we haven't spoken since they threw me out when I was 19. I'm on the cocktail, not sick enough for the hospital, but too tired most of the time to work. And then after another pause, he said, I had nowhere to go. Grandpa called me, said I could move in with them. To tell the truth, I had been afraid to ask because I didn't know how Grandpa might react if he knew. I feel right at home here. And then Neil looked up from the floor. He held my eyes and he said, you know, Reverend, those are mighty fine words you said, but I think they all got it a while ago. I mean, the love one another part and they know they have not been left desolate. He paused for another second and then he said, they held to grandma, they held on to grandma really well when she had her stroke and they've taken me in. And since I moved up here most every night, either grandpa or Bob DeVore opens up the church for me to play and I play Bach and Vidor and Ruger, all the stuff I love. Most of the time I play the organ, but sometimes the piano. And they open the doors and the windows of the church and everybody sits on their front porches to listen. And they clap from their porches. Even grandpa claps. I have never known anyone who has been in battle to glorify war. But going to war and then coming home 
and making community made some of these folks the best people that I have ever known. Love one another. May the Spirit of God, whom we know through the person of Jesus, go before to show you the way, behind to nudge you forward when you can't bring yourself to move, above you to watch over you, beside you to be sometimes the only friend you have in this world, and within that you might know peace. Be always in peace. Amen.